Mm, don't you love that acoustic worship set? That is so sweet. So sweet. Love that. Well, good morning, New Heights. We are continuing this morning in our teaching series, Drinking Deep, Experiencing Life with God. And if you are a visitor with us, let me bring you up to speed. For the past eight weeks, we've been talking about how to live life with God, not just for God, like a checklist, but actually how to live in his presence and to walk in the easy yoke of Jesus by training rather than just trying really hard. And we've been looking specifically at Jesus' life, what he did in practice, so we can order our lives like him. Specifically, we've been looking at ancient practices that we've been calling spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer and fasting, silence, solitude, worship, Bible meditation, and others that bring us into God's presence where he can change us from the inside out. And the goal of the entire series is for us all to drink more deeply of his presence. And it's been super fun. I've been hearing all through the series, people come and saying, this has been so good. Literally, like the title says, I've been drinking deeper. And so that's super fun. We've also had people sending in stories because in your handout, there is a take-home sheet. And there it says, if you have an experience or a story connected to the series, send it in. So people have. And we've been telling those stories uh, to kind of kick off our week looking backward. And we covered a few weeks ago, The Discipline of Worship, James Hawkins talked about that, and the exercise was to write a personal psalm, and we had people send some in, and I thought it'd be really cool just to share a part of one. I'm going to keep it anonymous, but this is encouraging. This person wrote, to him alone who gives life, his love endures forever. To him alone who perfects, his love endures forever. To him who gives grace to the humble. His love endures forever. To him who is compassionate and merciful, his love endures forever. He frees me from my loneliness, his love endures forever. He frees me from the darkness, his love endures forever. He sits with me in silence, his love endures forever. And he tells me that I am loved, his love endures forever. These have been so good just to read and go through, and thank you for everyone who has been sending these in with the series. And this morning, what we're going to do is I'm going to jump into our topic today by telling a story. In 2010, I was directing a nine-month discipleship school in Kansas City. It was connected to a mega church, and it was growing. Lives were being transformed, but I felt like there was a change that was in the air. Actually, one of my mentors had prophesied over me and said, I feel like God has a new direction for you that's coming in the next year. And right around that time, I brought our, our students from our discipleship school down here to northwest Arkansas because this is like our outdoor playground for canoeing and hiking and rock climbing. And we came down and we were camping at Devil's Den State Park. And I decided to take an afternoon of some silence and some solitude, and I hiked out into the forest on the Butterfield Trail. And at a certain point in the day, I was out there, and I'm on this ridge, and it's beautiful, just looking out at the hills and the valley. There's pine trees all around, and I felt like stopping and praying. And as I was praying, I really specifically felt the Lord say, Kevin, I want you to surrender control of your future to me. And so... I did. 
I said, okay, Lord, I prayed like David prayed in the Psalms. I said, my times, they're in your hands and you have the right to lead my life. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Your ways are better, you're wiser, so lead and I'll follow. Something like that. I prayed that prayer. And then I very specifically felt like the Lord said, now go down in the valley and stack up a pile of stones. And I want you to take a stone and put it on top of that pile to commemorate this dedication, this surrender that you're making today. So I did it. I went and I stacked up some stones. And here's a picture of it. it it's, it's really um, nothing, nothing fancy. Uh, but really, this has been a powerful reminder for me of hearing God's voice and his leading and my trust in him and his faithfulness in my life. And what's fun is after I did that, the next year, I was on staff at New Heights Church as the college pastor. This was the direction that the Lord was leading to. And that's what's fun about this story is it's still going on. Because what I get to do now that I live here is I make that hike out every year, about once or twice a year, and I put a new stone on that stack just to remember that time and that commitment. And the reason I'm telling this story is because it's reminiscent of a practice that God called the nation of Israel to in the Old Testament that we're going to look at this morning. And it's tied to the spiritual practice that we're going to talk about today, the discipline of remembrance. And you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, I didn't know that remembrance is a spiritual discipline. It wasn't on those lists that you started the series off with talking about disciplines of abstinence and disciplines of engagement. And you're right, it wasn't on any of those lists. But you guys, this discipline of remembrance is woven into so many of the other disciplines that we've talked about in this series, and it's all through the scriptures. You see it all over from Genesis to Revelation, this idea, remember, remember, remember. It's actually used 166 times in the Bible. So apparently God thinks this is a big deal. And why is it then that we don't hear a whole lot of teaching on it? It's kind of like a lost practice in the church. Well, I think this discipline, like silence and solitude and some of the others, has become really hard for us because of our culture. Remembrance has become kind of a casualty in our culture because here's the thing. To stop and remember who God is and what he's done, I have to intentionally slow down and bring things into my mind. And that's the rub because there's so many things that are competing for our thoughts, right? I mean, there's so much information, so much entertainment, so many distractions. Who's got time to slow down and intentionally think about anything, right? But... What would it look like if you and I actually had a practice in our lives of slowing down and remembering? What would it look like for us to stop and to remember who God is and what he's done and our place in the big story? How would that impact our lives? How would that help us to drink more deeply of his presence? Well, that's where we're going to go this morning. We're going to talk about those things. We're going to look at why remembrance is a big deal in the Bible and we're going to look at what we specifically need to remember. And then we'll look at what Jesus did. And we'll see what this produces. And ultimately, we'll talk about how to incorporate the practice into our lives. So let's start with talking about why remembrance is such a big deal in the Bible. And to answer that, what I want to do is I want to put up on the screen the, the words to a hymn that we sing here a lot, Come Thou Fount. And this line here 
Every time we sing it, there's a part of me that goes, yeah, I can relate. It's this line, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And sometimes I go, man, I can really relate to that. And here's the thing. Why remembrance is such a big deal? Because when we don't remember, we are prone to wander. Is that right? We're prone to wander. And the Bible is full of sad stories of this kind of being played out over and over again. One one of the classic examples is found in Exodus 14, 15, and 16. This is where God has just split the Red Sea. The Israelites have been rescued from slavery. They walk through on dry land. And then in chapter 15, the entire nation is celebrating. And they're singing these words. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. You guys, this is a good day in Israel's history. Three days later, the people are all freaking out. And they're questioning, can God really provide for us? You guys, this is crazy. This is like freaking out on your honeymoon. You know what I mean? Three days go by and they've already forgotten what God has done for them and they're freaking out. And then 45 days later, we read this in Exodus 16. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and they came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the whole desert, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat. We ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And so here they are, you guys. A month and a half later, they are freaking out. And and we go, what? How could they forget what God had done for them? Like, literally, you you go, what's wrong with their brains, right? They have, like, long-term, short-term memory loss. What is is going on here? And, And, guys, it only gets worse from there. Literally, they continued to forget to where they got to the point where they completely forgot who God was, and they said, this golden calf is our God. And we read that, and we go, what? That's crazy, right? What was wrong with those people? But here's the thing. Are we that much different than they were? Can you remember the last time where you were freaking out, you were anxious, you didn't know if God was going to come through, and all you could see were the circumstances right in front of you? Do you remember the last time that you were there? Guys, I don't think we're that much different than the Israelites. We freak out and we wonder if God's going to get us through and then we get hopeless and our hearts start to wander. And here's the deal. Humans are forgetful. We just are. We're forgetful creatures. God knows this. And that's why he gives us this exhortation in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9. He says, only be careful to watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget Don't forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your hearts as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remembering affects generations. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament that shows God being intentional to help us 
to remember to help the people of Israel is the story of when they crossed the Jordan River. And if you don't know the story, the, the children of Israel have been rescued from slavery. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. They hit the Jordan River. It's at flood stage. They cannot get across. God does a miracle. He stops the water up and they literally walk through on dry ground just like they'd done at the Red Sea. And God goes, this is an opportunity to help them to remember. So he tells Joshua, get 12 guys to stack up some stones, to grab stones from the bottom of the river. So let's read it here. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says, so Joshua called together 12 men. And these guys, I should say, were probably burly dudes with hair on their backs, right? Because these were huge rocks that they had to wrestle out of the river and carry them over and stack them down because they were going to be there a long, long, long time. And it, and it says that he appointed them from the Israelites, one from each tribe. He said, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. What do memorials do, you guys? They help us to remember. God is being super intentional here because he knows we forget and we wander. The Hebrew word for these stones of remembrance literally is the word Ebenezer. Again, that's a line in that hymn that we just looked at, Come Thou Fount. The hymn writer says, Here! I raise my Ebenezer, my Ebenezer, my stones of remembrance to remember that by your great help have I come. So in this series, what we've been doing to kind of tie it all together, we have been looking at how all these practices help us to be in intimate relationship with God, how to abide with him. And what's so fun about the discipline of remembering is it literally creates tangible touch points for relationship. Let me illustrate this. Do you know what you do with your friends and your family? Sometimes you sit around and you reminisce and you tell stories about things that you've gone through or experiences that you've had together. Like, dude, you remember during spring break? Like, we drove two days, went straight to Canada. Like, in two days, that was awesome, right? Some of our college students literally just did that this past week. I think that's nuts. But anyway, they had a good time, but they're, but they're remembering that. And it like bonds them, it connects them as you rem- reminisce about those stories. I know one of my favorite things that I did with my family and my cousins when I was a kid is we would get together and we'd get this thing. It was like a screen you could pull up and then there was this machine and it shot light on that screen and you took this little square piece of film and you put it in. It was called a slide. I have to illustrate this for the millennials, right? Okay, it's called a slideshow. Now we have like, you know, like our, our laptop, the pictures and all of our apps. That's like the thing. So what we would do is we would look at these slides and we would go, you remember when grandpa had hair? That was awesome. Remember that was so fun, right? And this morning what I wanted to do is I wanted to put some pictures of New Heights in our early days when Jim Hall still had hair, you know. But he told me I never had hair even back then, so don't worry about it. Um, but what this does, guys, is when we remember It bonds us, it connects us, it's relational. So the Bible tells us to remember, what does the Bible say we should specifically remember? Few things. Number one, we need to remember who God is. We have to fight for and hold on to our testimony of who God is, especially in dark times. 
I heard somebody say this one time, it's easy to forget in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Isn't that true? That we get into circumstances and, you know, God's been faithful, he's been good, then we're in our current circumstances and we just freak out. And we go, is God still good? Is he, is he still with me? Is he going to drop me this time? And you guys, I've been there. And I have friends who are there right now. And I take comfort from the fact that the Bible shows us that people had highs and lows in their relationship with God. And one of those lows is found in Psalm 42. Let's look at it. It says in verse 3, the psalmist writes, My tears have been my food day and night. This is grief. This person is grieving. This is a very hard time. And people are saying to me all day long, where is your God? And he's probably, the psalmist is probably going, I don't know. But does he stay there? No. What does the psalmist do? He intentionally remembers who God is and how he's revealed himself in his word. Look at verse 6. He says, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mazar. What he's doing is he's calling to remembrance literally who God was in the book of Joshua. Even that story that we just talked about. And sometimes we've got to do this. Like the song that we sometimes sing here. We have to take a moment to remember who God is. That he's good. That he loves us. That he's with us. And who we are. And let that memory Lift the load off our hearts. Amen? The second thing that the scriptures tell us that we need to remember is what God has done. In Psalm 143, we read about David, and David's having a bad day, or maybe it was a bad year he had those. <laughs> and and he, he's, he's writing this. He says in Psalm 4, 143, 4 and 5, So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. What does he do? He says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate. We've talked about that, meditating on scripture. That's been a part of this series. He says, I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. And so David is intentionally just kind of recounting what God has done in his life and probably how he's answered prayers. He's protected, he's provided, he's given him victories. He's remembering those things. The third thing that the scriptures tell us that we need to remember is we have to remember the big story. What that means is we're told in Scripture to remember the good news of the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descendant of David, this is my gospel. What we see is Paul dedicates whole chapters in Scripture to reminding believers of who they are in Christ. Reminding believers of the gospel. Reminding them that they, they aren't just some depraved, nasty sinners any longer, but they're actually called saints. They have a new nature. They have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They've been set free from sin. They've been adopt, adopted by the Father. They're in the kingdom of the beloved Son of God. And he dedicates whole chapters to reminding them who they are. And this practice of preaching the gospel to ourselves is one of the most powerful practices of remembrance that we can, we can do. And here's why it's so important. When we don't remember to preach the gospel to ourselves, there are consequences. We become non-missional. And when we don't preach the gospel to ourselves, we don't understand what God is up to why discipleship is important and spiritual formation and we forget that we have a part to play in advancing the kingdom of God. 
So Paul says, don't forget what you're caught up in. God's been doing this a long time and you've got a part to play in pushing it forward. So play your part, do it well and don't forget. Amen? So now as as we've looked at specifically what we're supposed to remember, we're going to do what we've done in each of these these topics. We're going to look at what did Jesus do when it came to the discipline of remembering. And here's what's fun to see is that Jesus actually followed a calendar of remembering. What I mean is this, because he was a Jew, he celebrated specific feasts and festivals. Three of them were given in the Sinai covenant. God said, do these things and remember me. Others were added on as God had delivered Israel. Jesus probably practiced up to 10 feasts and festivals. I heard a statistic that a third of a Jew's life was spent at a party. I think that's really fun. God likes to have a good time. That's the message. He's in a good mood. Uh, Anyway, but Jesus, you see these examples, like just in John's gospel alone, there are five examples of Jesus going to feasts. In John 2 and 12, he celebrates the Passover. That's one of the the festivals that God had given the people of Israel. To remember how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He'd split the Red Sea and they would do this special meal and do these things to remember who God was and what he'd done. You see Jesus doing that uh, twice in in John's gospel. Then in John chapter 5, he celebrates the Feast of Weeks. And this was to commemorate and celebrate God's material provisions from the past year. How God had provided for the people. In John 7, Jesus celebrates the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was to remember how how God was with Israel as they traveled from Egypt to the land of Canaan, including the crossing of the Jordan River. And then in John chapter 10, he celebrates the Feast of Dedication. This was to remember how God had delivered the Jews 165 years earlier in a really dark time in the intertestamental period. So here's the bottom line. As you look at Jesus' life and study it out, you see that he had a regular practice of remembering. It was tangible. It was planned. He intentionally remembered and celebrated God's goodness. And here's the thing. As Jesus was establishing the kingdom of God in the New Testament, he didn't do away with all of this tangible celebrating. He actually gave us something in that same vein of tangibly remembering. He gave us the Lord's Supper, which we're going to look at at the very end of our talk today. So now here's what I would like to do is I want to get practical and look at a couple of things that remembrance does for us. And then we'll talk about how to practice it. So remembrance leads us to so much of the good stuff in our relationship with God. One of the biggest things that it produces is remembrance produces gratitude. Gratitude is so important for us. We're told in the scriptures, be thankful. And what gratitude does when we express it is it leads to joy and celebration. And we just looked at God likes to celebrate. So here's what I'd like to do as we think about remembering leading to gratitude. I want to do a little exercise. I'd like you to think right now for just a minute about somebody in your past. A person who's blessed you. A person who's invested in your life. Someone who's done good to you. It could be a family member. It could be a friend or a coach, or a mentor, or a teacher, or a pastor, somebody who's invested in your life and who's blessed you. I want you to just get that person in your mind. Just kind of see their face. You got it? As you think about them, what's happening in your heart? What's happening in your emotions? 
Do you want to thank them? Do you want to say, thank you, God, for putting them in my life? Remembrance leads to gratitude. But here's the thing. If you're sitting there right now and you're going, Kevin, I can't even think of one person who's been good to me in my life. Think about the Lord Jesus. Think about Jesus right now. What has he done for you? Guys, this is the essence, actually, of good worship. Good worship songs help us to remember who God is and what he's done. Just like just a few minutes ago, we were up here singing, you have been faithful, you have been good. And what was happening is that as we released that, joy was being released in this place. So, so good remembrance always leads to celebration and worship. Gratitude, so important. Then the second thing I want to point out that remembrance produces is remembrance produces faith. Your remembrance of God's past faithfulness affects your life of faith today. How you're doing in your faith walk right now can be directly tied to your reflection on the past. Let me tell you another story. In 2001, my wife Marla and I moved to Minnesota to join a new ministry. And this was a time in my life of of some real shaking, some real uncertainty. I was starting a new job and so much of it was unknown. We were starting over with with community and friendships and and on top of it, we were trying to buy a house and start a family. And it was just a rough time. And I was, my faith was really being shaken. And I'll be honest, I was struggling. I was being bombarded by just, just bouts of anxiety and fear and I wasn't sleeping really well at night. And one day I was, I was crying out to the Lord and I was reading my Bible and this verse just jumped out at me. It's in Psalm 91. In verse 4, I read this. It says, His faithfulness will be your shield. And so I started to meditate on that and I was like, what does that look like? What does that mean that his faithfulness will be my shield? And then Ephesians 6.16 came into my mind which says that the shield of faith extinguishes all the fiery darts of the evil one. And you guys, that's when the connection was made for me. Literally, if I would remember God's faithfulness in my past, it would be like lifting a shield of faith that would extinguish the fiery darts that were coming at me right then and there. So I did that. I started to reflect back, and I started to think about times where where the future was uncertain. When life was hard and I thought, where is God and how is he going to come through for us? And I started to remember in that past situation, he was there. And he actually took care of us and he provided for us and he led us and it all worked out for good. And you guys, literally as I'm remembering God's faithfulness in my past, it was like I was lifting a shield of faith made out of his faithfulness. And then I just declared out loud with my mouth. I said, God, you were faithful then. You are faithful now. You don't change. And you guys, as I was lifting that shield of God's faithfulness, literally all those just flaming darts of anxiety and and fear just started to melt away and not dominate my days. So remembrance produces faith. All right, what I want to do now, just for the rest of our time here this morning, because you're going, okay, we're convinced. Remembrance is important. How do we do it? How do we incorporate this practice into our daily, weekly life? So what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you 10 stackable practices, if you will. We can call them 10 stones of remembrance 
that you can incorporate in your life. And these are just suggestions, but I'm hoping that you'll pick one or two off this list and try something new this week. Here's the first one. Read the Bible. And hopefully we're all doing this, but this is kind of like a duh, you know, like, like yes, we know we're supposed to read the Bible, but you guys, this is one of the primary Things that God has given us to help us to remember who he is and what he's done. You see it from Moses to the Psalms, to the prophets, to Jesus, to the Acts of the Apostles. You read through the scriptures and you see how God was with his people. But not only what he did, you see how God behaved in scripture. You see who he is and you go, he was faithful and good then. He rescued, he saved, he provided, he delivered. He's the same God in my life. We've got to be careful, you guys. When we read the Bible, sometimes we read these stories, like the splitting of the Red Sea, and we go, oh, that's just a really cute story to put in a children's Bible. You guys, it actually happened. And the same God who split the Red Sea is with you right now. Same God. So don't just read it like a cute children's Bible story. Number two... A stone of remembrance that I think is really important, we talk about this a lot at New Heights, is to do life in community. But when I talk about community here, I'm not just talking about that let's just hang out and eat and talk about the hogs. That's good community, but what I'm talking about is getting below that surface and actually reminding each other of God's faithfulness in each other's lives. Because here's what we do, we forget what God's done, how he's been working in us, how far he's brought us. And when we forget, or that becomes dim, we have brothers and sisters that God has put around us who can remind us. One of our community group leaders, his name's Alec Ward, he's, he gave me a story this week and he said, Kevin, we've been doing this in our community group. And here's what Alec shares. He says, this past semester... Our community group wanted to practice the discipline of remembrance by looking back and reminding one another of what we see God doing in each person's life. This past year has been hard for a lot of people in our group. We've been tested in a lot of places that we considered safe, everything from members of immediate families passing away to deep depression, losing jobs, confusion with huge life decisions, etc., And so Alex said what they've been doing, and they do this at different times, is they come together and they go around and they share where they see God at work in each person's life. And just remind them of God's goodness and faithfulness where they've seen him walking with them. And Alex says, as we have called out the attributes of God in our friends, it's had a huge impact on our group as we continue to move and grow together. So super fun. God's built that in to us as a church to remind each other in community. Number three, stone of remembrance, is to follow the church calendar. And I'm not talking about the New Heights church calendar. I'm talking about the Big C church calendar. Christians, since the early centuries of church history, have celebrated holy days. It's where we get our English word holiday. And and so liturgical churches... They've been doing this for centuries. They're very intentional about this. And I know that the word liturgy can sometimes be like a bad word in Protestant churches. But you guys, it's not the liturgy who's dead. Sometimes it's the people who practice the liturgy who are dead. Do you know what I'm saying? The liturgy can be powerful and it can be rich depending on who you are and how you're approaching God in it. And so what would it look like just as a suggestion, what would it look like if you knew when Christians all around the world were, were celebrating Pentecost? 
like when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts, and that you could actually celebrate with other believers around the world at the same time. And remember, or what if you practiced the Holy Week leading up to Easter or Advent leading up to Christmas? I think that liturgical churches might have a little edge on us here with intentionally remembering what God has done. So if you're interested in this, if you want to check it out, Google liturgical calendar 2019 just to get some ideas. All right, number four, create a gratitude journal. I was hoping that journaling would find its way into this series somewhere, and and here, here it is. So there is something powerful, you guys, about recounting the blessings in your life and actually writing them down. I have to write things down. I write down, I have journals that I write things down in, just ways God has spoken to me and things that he done because I forget. And just this last week, I pulled my journals out and I was flipping through them again. There was a book that was really popular a few years ago by Ann Voskamp called A Thousand Gifts. I don't know if anybody in here read that book or tried that practice. Literally, you're supposed to try to come up with a list of a thousand things that you could thank God for. And so a number of ladies here at New Heights and in my community group did this. They took on the challenge, my wife Marla being one of them. And here's what she had to say about the experience. Marla said, several years ago, while reading 1,000 Gifts, I was challenged to keep an ongoing list of gifts, anything large or small that revealed God's grace in my life. I took the challenge, and what ensued was indeed a journey of living fully right where I was. My list began simply, my comfy bed and chocolate. But she says it morphed into a deeper and more specific awareness of all that brought me joy or encouragement, like my son Carson's belly laugh, or the wind in my hair and feeling like a kid when I rode my bike, or the friend who encouraged me and spoke truth when my heart was black and I needed help, the story of manna in the desert that shows God will be my daily bread. I was focusing continually on the Lord's goodness in all things, and I felt hopeful, positive, soaking up the good and more easily overlooking the bad, aware of the Lord's presence. My heart and mind were being trained in gratefulness, and I easily understood why Scripture tells us where to fix our minds. Renewing them literally transforms us. And Marla says that this, can, this practice has continued for her. I got to walk through that experience with her. It was really wonderful. So start journaling, keep a gratitude journal. Number five. This is something that probably all of us can do. Post things you are thankful for in your social media accounts. Like Google Photos and so many other apps, what they will do is they'll take your photos and then they'll create memories for you, right? And so you see a year ago and two years ago and five years ago. So leverage that by posting stones of remembrance that you are thankful for in your social media. We can all do it. It's simple. And then you get those reminders that are just built into the app. So post things you're thankful for. Number six, share your story. It's a powerful way to remember what God has done in your life. And we practice this at New Heights in a variety of our formational settings. In our discovery groups, we do it in our salt and light training. We do it with STS in the summer with our college students. Sharing your story is powerful, obviously, for those who hear you, but also for you. And if you've never taken the time to write out your story, try that this week and just take some time and just write out your story. I think it'll strongly encourage you. Number seven, 
find praise markers. And what I mean by praise markers, this can just be simple things, like a sticky note on your dashboard or on your bathroom mirror. It could be a a truth that reminds you of something. Or it could be something simple that you pass by every day, even in nature or in your house, a picture on the wall, whatever. Jim Hall has actually really uh, influenced me with this whole idea of praise markers. Here's what Jim says. He says, every sunset is a praise marker for me, along with every moonrise and moonset that I get to see. Jim says, I thank God for his attributes, for his power, his creativity, love of beauty, and variety. Jim says, I thank him for his favor and the influence that he's given me. Jim also has praise markers. He's got a couple of trees. I thought this was really cool. He's got a tree that's at the top of the North Street Hill, and he's got a tree at Washington Regional. And he says, every time I see that tree, I quote Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, which is all about how we meditate on God's word day and night. We become like trees planted by streams of water. So find some praise markers in your life this week. Number eight, use holidays as holy days. So we're kind of flipping that back there. So what we do is we have friends who, what they'll do with their kids is the whole month of November, they'll cut out little paper leaves and and the parents and the kids will write down something that they're thankful for and they'll stick it on this little tree and they do that every day through the month of November leading up to Thanksgiving. I love that. It's creative. Uh, We also have friends, and our family does this too, actually. If it's your birthday, we cook your favorite meal, but then we all go around the table and we say something that we're thankful for about you. And this is a fun one that that the Rusak family does. Every New Year's Day, one of the ways that we celebrate, besides sleeping in and and, walking around the house in our jammies, is we get out a whiteboard And we do a remembrance time where we remember God's past faithfulness to our family and all the things that he's done for us. And the kids and I, we all go and write them down. Here's 2016s, and it's kind of fun. I'm like, I don't even know what some of these are here. Uh, Carson got a new uh, pocket knife. That was cool. I love this one over here. Whiskers lived another year. That's our cat. (laughs) The cat lived. That cat's gone through eight of its nine lives, but the cat lived. And so we're celebrating that and so many other things. And so we write these out, and then with the kids, we praise God and we thank him for his faithfulness and goodness in our lives. This is something that you could do with your family or your grandkids. All right, the last two here, almost done. Number nine, use a prayer of examine. And you go, what's a prayer of examine? This is an ancient practice in the church that helps us to see the hand of God in our lives. And here's how it works. At the end of the day, you just slow down and take a minute And you reflect back on the activities of the day, the interactions you had. You're looking for God. You're looking for God in the details. And pay attention to even your emotions, just emotions that you had at different times in different places. And then then what you do is you just pray and say, thank you, God, for your goodness and faithfulness in my life today. And you look forward to tomorrow. Simple practice that, that can be super helpful. And the last one, number 10, is the sacraments. And these are things that we participate in together, like baptism and communion. And I don't know about you, but I absolutely love to watch baptisms. I cry every time. I absolutely love them. They encourage me every time I see them. Of They remind me of who I am in Christ and that I have a new life in him. 
I wish we had baptisms here every single week. By the way, we've got some warm water up here. If you want to get baptized at the end of the service this morning, we will take care of you. Okay, so that's always open. want to let you know that. A sacrament that we do practice every week at New Heights, and I'm so grateful that we do, is communion. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25. We see how intentional this practice is in remembrance. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant that's in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And I'm sad that in so many Protestant churches today, communion is seen as kind of like an optional add-on. It's like an afterthought. You know, the really important thing is the message and the music. But I think people that think that way don't really grasp or understand what Jesus means when he says here to remember. Timothy Keller has really helped me with this in some of his articles that I've read. He says that to know what remembering really means in this context that Jesus is describing it, you've got to think about what the opposite means. What's the opposite of remember? It's not to forget. The opposite of remember is to dismember. It's to literally take a body apart piece by piece. The word member used to mean a piece of the body. And we see it in scripture. It says there are many members, but there's one body. And Keller says here that this type of remembering Jesus, it's talking about more than just bringing him to mind when we, when we take the elements. He says it's actually to graft or to fuse is what it means. It's to take something that's not part of your being by nature and to make it a part of who you are. So when we take communion, we are literally remembering. We're taking in again and making a part of us the wonderful news that's in Jesus Christ. So if you've come to church and you're anxious or you're condemned, what you're doing is you're coming to the table and you're taking in the fact that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ and you are making that a part of you. And you're remembering there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ. Isn't that powerful, you guys? Does that make sense? That's what communion is, is to remember with Jesus. And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that here in just a second. But before we do, I want to point to a couple of things. First of all, in your handout, there's a take-home sheet. I want to just point that out. It says a little bit about the discipline of remembering, and then it has some practices on the back. And this week we have a practice that it's like starting a small gratitude journal. I would encourage all of you to practice this this week. And also, in your handout, there was a little notes-taking sheet, and on the back it says three things that I'm thankful for. And this is just an exercise I'd encourage you to do. You could do it even as you're sitting here this morning before you go to communion, is to stop and reflect and remember God's faithfulness in the past in your life and write down a few things. You might even share those with the people that you're taking communion with this morning. All right. I'd like to have the prayer team uh, come around at this time.
And I'm just going to close by praying for us and then we're going to move into our ministry time this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray and ask that you would help us to be intentional with remembering. Help us, Lord. Have mercy on us because we are so prone to forget and then wander. And I just pray that you would help my brothers and sisters and help me to start stacking stones intentionally in our lives each day and each week where we remember your power and your glory and your goodness and your love. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.